I was in a place where I realized that if I kept going as I was going, I wouldn't, I couldn't grow my business anymore because I couldn't work anymore. Like I was maxed out on the work. And so one of the things I had to figure out was how can I increase the lifetime value of my existing clients? And if I could figure out how to increase the lifetime value of existing client base, it would cause me to not have to work so hard and I could still show up and deliver fully to clients. And so one of the things that I did is I got really clear on three main ways that clients could work with me. And what I found was that I did this really purposefully is that each way tended to feed the other way. All branding is personal. And it's not about who you say you are. It's about who you are and how you say it. I'm Hirsch Rethman, copywriter, comedian, and brand voice expert. I've helped hundreds of companies fine tune their messaging. And now I'm sitting down with some of the most ambitious and imaginative founders around who share their seven figure stories and their next figure goals. Let's hit the brand voice runway. With me on the Brand Voice Runway today is Nikki Rausch. Nikki Rausch created Sales Maven. And we're going to talk about sales. We're going to talk about not only what she has to offer her clients, but how she goes about letting them know about it, branding, messaging, and all that good stuff. And welcome, Nikki. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to have this conversation with you. Thank you. Well, we talked a little bit before and I, you know, I confided in you that, you know, the sales is often a kind of a th thorn in our side. You know, a lot of people will say, look, I have a great product, but I'm not a sales person. And it's almost like a stigma that they sense or that exists. Mm -hmm. yeah. talk, talk to us a little bit about that. Well, I think we've all been on the receiving end of sales done to us and it feels kind of icky or aggressive or so nobody wants to be seen that way, right? Like the truth of the matter is as much as I think we try to say we're an evolved species that don't judge, but in, in fact, we do judge and we know we're being judged and that can be really uncomfortable. And so this idea of like, well, I don't want people to affiliate like a put me alongside, you know, the salesy, aggressive salesperson. So I'm going to go the complete opposite and I'm just going to not sell at all. Well, that's not good for your business. And so when I teach sales, the premise behind my philosophy is that sales isn't something that you're supposed to do to another person. That's where it feels aggressive. That's where it feels manipulative. Sales actually is something that you do with another person. So it becomes a collaboration. It becomes a conversation. And when you can approach the selling process that this is a conversation, your job is not to convince people to buy from you. Because again, that feels like you're doing something to another person. Your job is actually to understand, does this person have a need or a want or a problem? Do I have a solution that would meet that need or solve that problem? And do I have permission to offer that solution to that person. And once you understand they've got a problem and you understand you have a solution and you have permission, now it truly is a real conversation. And it takes the pressure off the seller to feel like, oh, I have to prove myself. I have to convince somebody. I have to do all these things that feel outside the norm. And it's like, no, we're having a real conversation. You're a person, I'm a person. It isn't about 
you know, shaming you into buying. It isn't about trying to convince you how good I am. It's like, here's a solution. Would you like it? Yes or no. And it becomes so much more simple. Yeah. And and as you were speaking, I thought about the difference between and how important it is to find the right mentors and coaches, because when you're not a salesperson, you know, by nature or by trade, and you go to learn the the craft of it, the art of it, then, you know, if you're learning from someone who's, who goes there, whereas it's like, yeah, the, the, you know, it's got to be there. Now, a pain point is a pain point. It's a reference to something they, you know, are struggling with, a problem they have that you can help them with. But the idea that it, it's this manipulative kind of you're trying to help them, but you're you have to twist their arms and you have to do all these things mm. that feel very unnatural. But someone might be learning to be to do the, their own sales and say, okay, I guess I have to do it, but it goes against the grain. Whereas what you're yeah. talking about in terms of a conversation and in terms of you know where your mind is at, in terms of the role you play, this is really a partnership. This isn't an attack. You know, like right. you say, it's not something you do to somebody, which is a great, a great line. Now, sales may have been started in 2013, right? Yes. So you've been doing this 10 years and it's grown and it's a really influential firm now. And, you know, you have accomplished a great deal with it. To what do you attribute the growth of Sales Maven and the impact? Because you had mentioned that the impact was extremely important to you. Yeah. I'm going to say what I attribute the growth to is that I teach very tangible, easy to implement techniques and strategies. And I have been fairly consistent. Yes, the business has evolved. Yes, I have made shifts in the business and changed it. But the one thing that hasn't changed from the very get-go, I remember filling out, you know, when you have somebody want to build a website for you, they have you fill out these brand documents, right? And they want to ask you all these, these questions. And so one of the things that got asked very early on, and this is a consistent question I think I still get anytime I hire anybody to do any kind of marketing for me is like, what are those words that are key to your brand? And and from the very beginning, those words have not changed for me. And it's always been kind and credible. So I think there's a difference between being nice and being kind. Kind is somebody who will deliver information for your benefit and we'll do it in a way that is said with tact and with grace and with humility. And I also think that the credibility piece of it is I don't talk about things I don't know. And people ask me questions all the time and I'll say like, this is my opinion. I, I can give you an opinion on that. That's not my expertise. But if, if you want to talk sales, that's my expertise. And so I've I've stayed very consistent across the board with the kind incredible. And yes, again, the business has evolved and grown and and changed. But I think the thing that has always really worked for me is that anybody can use the techniques that I teach and find success with them because they're simple, they're easy to do. And it's not asking people to change their personality or change their style. And again, it's done from this place of this is for your benefit, not for mine. Yeah. And, you know, that's a a big distinction. There's a couple of big distinctions in there. One is that a lot of people think that they don't have the personality for sales and therefore they can't do it. And so you're saying the methods you're teaching, it's not about pretending to be somebody you're not. And then the other part is that the kind and credible 
part. That's a big thing for me because, you know, you hear kindness is a weakness, you know, you, you, and, but I think what people are misconstruing is that, you know, you mentioned ni nice is different than kind. It's like nice is polite. Nice means yeah. you're according someone a courtesy out of some kind of just good behavior of a good right. habit and a kind of a sense of decorum. Whereas kindness is something you really extend, you know, you really extend something to them. You're really helping them. And I totally contend that kindness is not in any way a weakness. You know, if, if anything, we have to bolster our ability to, to be kind so that other people can do the same, you know, so that other people can do it. Uh, it doesn't have to be for us. You know, you could pay it forward and they can yes. do it for someone else. So in terms of relationship building through mm -hmm. sales, I'm interested in that because I'm always interested in relationship building, but I haven't traditionally been interested in sales. And I've tried to, in this last couple of years, you know, open my mind a little bit about how to, you know, be more aggressive in certain situations where I could be selling more you know, rather mm. than be, just being a creative director or being the creative person in the back doing the creative thing. So I believe that, and I teach this, I always say relationships first, rapport always. Now there needs to be some strategy behind the relationship piece. So I do a, a lot of relationship building and I teach a couple techniques around this, but one in particular is I teach something called a strive five list. And the Strive 5 list, the objective of it is to identify five people that you really want to have contact with. You want right. to start to build relationship with. And then you do things to put yourself in that, in their kind of orbit, really. Sometimes I think you got to buy the seat at the table. That means sign up for the group. That means attend the networking event. That means go to the conference, whatever that that is, or you know, where is that person going to be that you can put yourself in contact with them? And then you think about how can you be building rapport with that person? And I think about rapport and I teach rapport. It's, it's like you have a bank account with every single person that you come into contact with. And you're either making deposits or when you make a misstep, you're making withdrawal. My goal is to make as many deposits as possible because I am a very flawed human and I make mistakes and sometimes I make a misstep. And I know that if I have a rapport bank account with people, oftentimes if I make a withdrawal because I've made a misstep or I've said something that didn't land right, or I know that they'll give me grace because there's a balance. But when you're just meeting people for the first time and you have no balance in that bank account and you make a misstep, they're probably not going to give you a second chance. So think about, are you making deposits in that account? And then at some point when there's a balance, it's absolutely okay to ask that person for something that's going to be strategic in your business. It could be a favor. And as a matter of fact, I actually love to use this language, you know, Hirsch, is it okay if I ask you for a favor? Now, you and I right. just met. I don't have much of a balance with you. You might go like, I'm a little hesitant, but go ahead and ask. Doesn't mean I'll give, right? right. But most people that you have a balance with, if you ask them any chance you do me a favor, they're going to say yes. They don't even know what it is. They're going to try to do it if it makes sense for them. Yeah. And sometimes it's just asking them, would they make a connection for you? Would they open a door for you? Would they share something about your new program? 
And those people that you've built that balance with, that that rapport bank account, they are the people that when they make an introduction for you, when they share something about what you're doing, when they talk about you with the people that they know that might benefit from working with you, you get to ride the coattails of their credibility in every situation. Because if somebody comes to you that is a trusted resource of yours, somebody that you really highly value, and they say, you know, I'd like to introduce you to somebody who I think might you might benefit from knowing, you're probably going to say yes to that. Even if you're like, I don't really have that much time, but I really trust this person. So I know that if they're going to introduce me to somebody, it's going to be somebody good. It's the easiest way actually to open doors is to ask somebody to open that door for you. And you'll do that by building these relationships, by building rapport. Now, there's a lot more that goes into it from a sales perspective. You have to show up. You have to be credible. You have to have something of value to that person. You know, there is a sales component to it. But it's very hard to open doors right now because we're all so busy and we have easy ways to close doors, right? We don't pick Uh up our phones when people call. You know, we can delete emails very quickly. There's lots of ways that we can shut doors. So if somebody's willing to open that door for you, don't be afraid to ask. Right. Right. And there's another side to that as well, which is that sometimes we're the ones opening the door, but we don't know what's on the other side of that door at that moment either. And we can open the door for that person. And that act can have repercussions that benefit us, you know, indirectly, directly. We don't know. I think there's a certain attractiveness to taking your attention off yourself. And I think that the same way confidence is a great thing to have and someone walks into a room and they have confident bearing and you know, I think when we kind of drop that self-awareness, that self-consciousness a little bit really is what it is, that self-consciousness and self-interest, it people pick up on it and it it reads well. You know, in growing a sales store, let's talk a little bit about your model. Tell me a little bit about uh, what's working yeah. for you. Well, a couple of years ago, I had to make a pretty big shift in my business because I found that I was in a place where... I realized that if I kept going as I was going, I wouldn't I couldn't grow my business anymore cuz I couldn't work anymore. Like I was maxed out on the work. And so one of the things I had to figure out was how can I increase the lifetime value of my existing clients? And if I could figure out how to increase the lifetime value of existing client base, it would cause me to not have to work so hard and I could still show up and deliver fully to clients. And so one of the things that I did is I got really clear on three main ways that clients could work with me. And what I found was that, and and I did this really purposely, purposefully, is that each way tended to feed the other way. So I have three ways that I work with clients. I have private coaching clients where I'm working one-on-one with people. And then I have a group coaching program. It's a membership. It's called the Sales Maven Society. And that's where people get access to my training center. They get access. So that's courses and things like that. And then they get access to me in a group setting to ask questions. And then I have master classes that I teach that are kind of a deep dive topic or some something around sales that's like a deep dive. And those are kind of intensive classes. 
And what I found was that my sales maven society members often become private coaching clients. And my private coaching clients often sign up for the master classes. And master class clients often become private coaching clients. And so it's like a triangle that kind of they all kind of feed into each other. And that was really where I started to see the difference of increasing lifetime value because we all know this. It's easier to earn repeat business than it is to earn new business. Now, you do want to have new business coming in for sure. And you want to be growing your business that way too. But I find that a lot of times business owners tend to ignore their existing business because they're like, oh, I already got that business. Yeah. Like that person already bought from me. So now I got to go find somebody else to sell to. Well, well, what else can you sell that existing client that they would be delighted to continue to work with you on? And that right. was that was a real shift in the business. Yeah, yeah. And I think people are getting wiser to that fact now because with all the different ways of communicating, there are ways to communicate with your audience about different things. This is like the good side of you know technology and apps and all that stuff that it helps us keep this stuff ordered so that we don't forget about people. Yeah. You know, the trick is to keep the human element intact so that, you know, people, people really feel like you are like, we don't mind. I, I don't know about you, the, the mail merge thing, right. Where, you know, it'll say, Hey, Nikki, uh, have mm -hmm. you thought about this? Now, sometimes it seems so real. You, you think that they are actually sending you a personal email and you know them personally. And there's a reason you signed up for their list. You either use their services or you like the knowledge that they give you. But what about you know, but what but what happens is sometimes it's conf it, you're confused, you know, like you're actually like, wait a minute, is this an email from this person that actually needs something specifically from me? Or is this something that I can read later? And so mm -hmm. I think we're developing our skills in that way. How do you keep in touch with your clientele and your subscriber list? You've built quite a list over 10 years. So how do you stay in touch with them? So I have a podcast. And so every single week they get notified with a description on what's in the new episode of the podcast. They're encouraged to go listen to it. Also, so that's a newsletter that goes out every single week to my list. Also in there, we we share some additional resources, some some additional things they might not have seen or heard. So it makes it easy. And there's also a like how to work with me section in there as well. And that's shared every single week. And then I regularly sell to my list. So I have trained my list to know that they are going to get offers from me and people who are put out by that or people who are like, I don't want to buy from Nikki, they quickly unsubscribe from my list because I'm letting my list know this, yeah. as far as I'm concerned, this is an asset in my business and I'm going to use it like an asset. I am going to sell to it. And so I regularly make offers and I make high price offers and I make low price offers and I'm constantly testing, but all of my offers tend to feed back to those three, those three categories that I mentioned. So um, it's rare that there's some random offer out of the blue that people are like, what's this? It's clear. It's like, here's an offer to join the Sales Maven Society. You know, every once in a while, I'll do an offer to do private coaching with me. Although I find that most of those clients kind of show up because they've been in my, they've been on my list. They've been in my orbit. They know yeah. about me. And so oftentimes they will initiate that with me. They're like, I'm ready. 
Like I'm so ready to work with you because I've been a listener for a while. And then I do a ton of podcast guesting. So I love podcasting because it's evergreen content. And to me, there's no better marketing than like, there's no other thing out there that I know of that is evergreen when you spend money on marketing dollars. <laughs> like, yeah, it's like you spent it, that campaign happened, it's done, They'll, people will never see it again. But that's not true with podcast guesting. So I actually have people that um, prior to me starting my podcast back in 2020, that used to show up in my business and say, oh, I binge you on podcasts. And I'm like, well, how is that possible? Because I... <laughs> I don't have a podcast. And they're like, oh, right. I just search your name in the Apple app and here's all these podcasts that you've been on. So that's the that's probably, maybe I'm going a little bit off topic here, but that is the number one way that people find their way to my business. And I find that people who are going to invest in sales, coaching, and training want to know what is it like to work with that sales coach, right? Like, yeah. I don't want to get into a program where somebody's like, you got to sell, you got to convince, you got to, you know. So I think once somebody hears me on a podcast, they realize like, I either like her vibe. And so I'll I'll go down this, you know, I'll go a little bit further. I'll dip my toe a little bit further into that water. Um, so for me, it's just been an excellent way for people to get that first test with me. And then when people show up on calls with me, they often say, Oh my gosh, you're just like how you are on a podcast. Right. It's like, right. cause that's me. That's me showing up, being my authentic self. And if you ever felt differently than like, oh, this is totally different than how you showed up on a podcast, that would be so incongruent in how and yeah. what I teach. Right. So, yeah. And it, it, yeah, excellent. Cause it's so much easier to be yourself on air or in, even giving talks. You know, this I've done stand-up comedy. It's not the same. Stand-up comedy, you do want to develop some you are heightening something about yourself. You're going for, you know, boom, boom, boom with the with the laughs. The, it's not really relationship building. It's you're building fan base or following, but you're not really, you know, most comedians building a relationship. You are you are presenting. And mm. and I think, you know, what you're talking about and what you've underscored is that, you know, it's a, it is a very personal thing. You know, the, your brand is, you know, sales maven has all kinds of wonderful facets to it and offerings, but you're at the center of it. It's a very personal brand. I really appreciate your sharing all the different aspects of this. Let's end with a thought on brand image and goals. If you were to make a resolution of some kind for the next 12 months, something that you'd like to accomplish. And, you know, as you know, business is tied to life. It's all tied to one thing. When we're entrepreneurs, we're all doing it as a big picture. So, but this can be about anything. Can you share some kind of goal or resolution for that you'd like to address in the next 12 months? Yeah. In the next 12 months, one of the big goals for me is to continue to attract people into the group coaching program, which is the membership, the Sales Maven Society, at a rate that makes sense for my community to continue to build the culture that they're building. Like I always say, they've kind of taken the Sales Maven Society and the members have made it their own 
thing. And now they collaborate, they look for ways to work together. They look for ways to support each other in addition to getting sales coaching from me. So they refer to themselves as the mavens. And I want to continue to foster an environment where it is safe for people to come in, ask what can sometimes feel like vulnerable questions about situations that they find themselves in or situations of what's going on in their business. So for me, it is about continuing to build that community in a really safe way that my members a year from now feel even more connected than they are today. If you've enjoyed this episode of Brand Voice Runway, please leave a five-star review and subscribe to the podcast. The positive reinforcement keeps us going. Who am I kidding? Founders like us keep going regardless. Thanks so much for listening and make tomorrow greater than today.